0: (laughs) Hello, this is Michael L. Craver, and this is my Escaping Vanity podcast coming to you live on Wednesday. It's uh, Thursday! Jesus, Michael. 17th of September, one week before next Thursday, but it's 10 days before my favorite young man in the world turns 14 years old. If you've heard me describe my children, you know... You've asked, you'd say, wait a minute, your son's already 14. No, he's not. I just start telling people at the beginning of the year, whatever age they're going to be on that calendar year. So January 1st, my children will be 15 and 13 and 8. Their birthdays vary from January to July to September. But they get announced that way. So uh, that's just how it goes. I was laughing because I thought to myself, and I do this when I'm working in the yard. I do it when I'm getting the mail. and Anything is just not going my way. I'm trying to straighten these papers on my desk up is what I'm doing. And <laughs> as I'm doing that, any of the papers that don't naturally go back into the right, uh, they're not symmetrical to me. You know, you have to shuffle your papers and get them in line left and right and stacked organized looking neat, you know. And when they're fighting me, I say little things to myself. I say, we got a rule in this house. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> and I do that. I'll do that while I'm walking out in the yard. The lawnmower's not doing what I want it to. I'll yell at the lawnmower, telling him he's he's being a bitch. Um, it's a euphemism, any of you that are uh, of whatever sex you might be out there and you think that's offensive. Well, well how come how come homosexual people would still find that offensive? If they're not female. It is what it is. Uh I like enunciating my words in wild ways too. So if you hear me say something about a woman and I call her female or female or whatever, it's it's my way of, of twisting language. It comes from this <laughs> It's an introduction. It's the summer of, I believe, nineteen ninety-five. Monday night raw from the WWF. And Vince McMahon is standing there with his microphone. He's doing a little bit of rundown of what's going on on the show. So is Jerry the King Lawler. And he, he talks. Somebody said something about Vince's sports jacket. Either Vince or Lawler. But the next line comes from Jerry the King Lawler. Who says, what's with that jacket, McMahon? And he says, it's a French cut. It's J.C. Penye. <laughs> we all know that. It's JC JC Pennies. making fun of himself. It's always good, I think, to be able to make a fool of yourself. I've told many stories where I'm the fool. I'm the um, the character who's going to get made fun of, and I do that on purpose. You know, like, you could easily argue with people, and a lot of people have said that to me. You know, you're arrogant, and you're. What the, I believe? Somebody called me pompous not too long ago. And I said, Pompous. That's what they play when you graduate, right? Pomp and circumstance, the macho man, Randy Savage's theme. You know the old dun 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 dun. dun. You know the, the graduation music. And some people have used it for wedding ceremonies and things. That's a what a nice honor to be called pompous. Maybe not, I don't know. But Pompeii is a is a great ride if you go to Pompeii is it Bush Gardens Williamsburg I believe testing my my history in theme parks and my trivia, but I believe Pompeii. If it's not named Pompeii, the theme is Pompeii. It's a water ride. You get in the log raft. You go up. You go through these this building, and there's torches and fire and darkness, and it's like you're going through an Indiana Jones sort of an archaeological cave. And at the end, you come down. This huge drop, and there's, I don't know, 15, 20 people in this raft. And when it goes down, it, when it splashes up over this bridge that's in front of it. It splashes everybody in the uh, ride itself. It's But anyway, the Pompeii is not a way to um, insult me. Or Pompas is not a way to insult me. You see how I like to play with language. They didn't call you Pompeii. Uh, George Carlin talks about the people in Pompeii. He says, the earth is doing just fine. Just ask those people buried in that volcanic ash at Pompeii. And there's also, and I believe his name was Paul London. He's a wrestler uh, that went to the uh, Texas Wrestling Academy, went to Ring of Honor in early, I believe, in 2002. He was in Ring of Honor up in Philadelphia. He was traveling around. He was signed with the WF. He was a tag team, Kendrick in London. and um. Paul Lundin is still rolling around now. I'm sure he's verified on Twitter and Facebook and everything if you wanted to look him up. But he used this song called... I believe his song was called Pompeii. And I thought I might try to um, see if I could bring it up on my hard drive and see who it was. Because the song itself is is really nice. It's a nice little just... No guitar or anything. It's, a, it's more of a... Like one of those Imagine Dragons kind of songs where it's just... It's a lot of beats and a lot of fun. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with being yourself and telling people, you know, don't be, don't be a bitch. Uh, I do that all the time. You go to put your shoe on, you step in the shoe and, and force it. Here it is. E.S. Posthumous. Oh, that's a... I have not listened to their stuff in so long. I'm going to have to open this up and uh, add some of their stuff to the playlist on my phone. I love this stuff. Uh ES Posthumous is uh this sort of what'd you call that? New age music? But it's all this instrumental stuff. It's it's fabulous. Um but I'll say, you know, as I'm trying to put my shoe on. I'm stepping in the shoe, I'm forcing my ankle down. I don't want to reach down there, I don't want to use a shoe horn. The shoe's not cooperating. I'm yelling at my shoe. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> and every now and then my kids will will see me say something like that, and they think, "But what's? Wait a minute, what what's going on over there?" And I'll say, "Well, you know, I was, and it's whatever it is. You know, you might be shooting basketball, and I'm I'm obviously in control. I've got the ball in my hand. I'm I'm placing my hand just like they showed it to me at basketball camp. I've lined my my right elbow up with my right knee, so I've got a straight line, and my index finger is right in the middle of the ball, and I'm I'm shooting it with the rotation and arc and accuracy and the ball doesn't go in and i'm yelling at the ball don't be a bitch (laughs) and then you're like wait a minute you're the one who shot the ball asshole." (laughs) yes yes i am i'm the guy i'm in control of that ball's uh destiny i'm in i'm in control of the destiny of my balls so uh it's my fault it is It is. Anytime I'm saying, don't be a bitch, I'm talking to myself is what I'm actually doing. I'm actually poking fun at myself for doing something that uh, is not working out in my favor. I was mostly in control of the circumstances. There might be a few natural things that are out of my control. But, uh, yeah, I put as much influence as I could. I got it wrong. Guess who's being a bitch? Me. Me. I'm saying it about myself. And so I tell people that. And I started this off by saying, there's the lesson. Here's what I say. And then sometimes it's good to be a fool. Guess what? I'm the fool. So the whole point of some of these stories, you've been listening for a long time, and and then you find out, hey, wait a minute, that all goes together. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Like the Holland Tunnel. One end to the other, the breeze blows. It's long-winded. You know what I'm saying? It's been a long morning. It's been raining here in North Carolina. A lot of people have been talking about how great the weather is. Oh, it's fall weather. Number one, it's not fall yet. Not on the calendar anyway. And number two, you can thank COVID-19 for the weather. Otherwise, it would be the higher temperatures that it's always been. But with COVID, you got more people working from home, less people transported around. It has reduced the population a little bit. But let's be very clear. COVID has changed our carbon footprint. And how much pollution we're putting in the air, and how much you're running around, and you know, burning fuel, and all that kind of stuff. So, the things that go into the carbon footprint, which is my way of it's it's my umbrella word, all the activities that go into making the earth hotter, have been reduced. If it's because they shut down manufacturing in other places, if it's because transportation has been limited, businesses are not open past let's say bars stop serving at eleven, right? Walmart's closing at 9 o'clock, right? All of these things are going to continue... Let's get a little Dr. Pepper. All of these things are going to continue to make the earth um, a little more clean. A little cleaner. And then uh, it obviously will cool the weather off because it's not going to be as warm. You're not putting as much uh, of that nastiness up into the greenhouse effect. Which is nice, right? Everybody likes to be... I am thanking COVID... If you don't know this story, you're going to hear it. It's my podcast, so bear with me. But I, and, and I encourage you to do this, will buy my leather, my winter coats, my New York Rangers. I've got suede. I've got twill. I've got uh, some of those that are leather jacket. Oh, I'm sorry. Leatherman's jackets. So they're like wool and then the suede sleeves or the leather sleeves. Um, Eddie Bauer, I bought. Uh, they have this thing called Seattle suede. Beautiful. Great material. All of that stuff is high-dollar item if you buy it from retail on the sales floor of Eddie Bauer. Online, from their you know from their website, where they don't even put it in the store. Remember, you guys, as you're shopping Amazon and all these places, you're paying a little less money, I hope, but they don't have a retail store where they're paying for utilities and payroll and space and lease. And they're not paying all these extra bills. They're shipping it to you from a distribution center without having to pay one more... Um, link in the food chain, right? There's not a local store, so they should save all that money, and you should pay less. Remember that. I would buy from eBay. Eddie Bauer, they're called Journeyman, uh, is is the word I use uh, when you're searching. It's its actual name they use for them, but you you put in Eddie Bauer leather, um, or Eddie Bauer suede, or Eddie Bauer jackets, and that's what I like anyway. I mean, you may like Wilson's leather or. I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff, but those are the ones that I've been exposed to and I like. So if you have something that's nicer than that, go for it. You find them in the summertime, coming out of April, May, June, where people will list these jackets for significantly less than retail. Obviously, they're, they're used anyway. But because it's the summer months, with supply and demand being what it is, nobody's buying them. They're trying to get them out, clean their closet, whatever. 200 400 whatever expensive price for these jackets it used to be. I'm paying within, you know, in my comfort zone, really. But the number itself, I'm most average ever was forty-five dollars. Nice jacket, lambskin, flawless, flawless. Still got that jacket. I've over ten years, and and I don't wear it much, right? Partly because of the weather, and partly because I don't want to mess it up. And then last year, I just decided I was like, I'm taking hundred dollars. I'm buying two more Eddie Bauer jackets. Why? Because I want a backup one. So if I mess one of them up, I still got one. (laughs) You figure out the logic. And I went on there, and and somebody had an auction. And I'll tell you this. If I find a great price, I buy it right away. All right? If I don't find a great price, I will put a bid in if it's low enough. They may have a buy it now that's significantly higher, but I'll, I'll put a bid in if it's low. The third option is you watch. You're on eBay. You press watch list, add to my list. All right? Now when that auction ends and nobody bids on it, then I go contact the seller and I say, "Hey, I was going to I will pay this much for this jacket, this item. I've done it with DVDs, I've done it with CDs, everything. I'll pay this much money to take it off your hands right now today. You can invoice me, I'll PayPal you, whatever. Or you can, you know, you go relist it and see if you can get your price out of it, and good luck to you. But I'm just giving you cash in hand today if you'd like to have it. And some people have been very Sensible, At least that's my word, right? Because I'm the one making the offer. So I'm biased. But they'll take me up on it. Oh, thanks, man. And they'll list it. There's other guys, I'll, I'll tell you the story of my favorite New York Rangers jacket I have. Um, I was living with a girl in um, Greensboro. And she wanted to do something really nice. And she knew I'd been looking at these two New York Rangers jackets. The guy had one in a large, one in an extra large. They were from the mid-90s. They're old. You basically would not come across another one. It'd be rare, right? It'd probably still be expensive. Guys got both jackets right around ninety five hundred dollars, okay. And they're starter jackets too. So if you if you lived through the nineties, you know, starters, high quality. It's a Jeff Hamilton design, it's really nice. So I don't want to pay his ninety five dollars. I was willing to pay like sixty, fifty, sixty dollars. I'll pay a little more because I'm a Rangers fan, you know, of almost thirty years now. So. I kept letting the auction end, and I message him, and he took it down from ninety-five, down to ninety, down to eighty. He was in the seventies, and I I want to say he had shipping attached to it too. Anyway, one day this box comes in the mail. I saw the auctions weren't listed, or the the one wasn't listed. Didn't care. All right, so I missed out, but I wasn't going to pay that. Box comes in the mail, and she calls me. I guess she got an email notification, or whatever's been delivered. She's like, hey, did you open the, the box that came in the mail? And I was like, no, I didn't open it. And I opened it. Here's this jacket that she paid a price that I didn't want to pay. She was like, so that's the jacket you were looking at, right? It is the jacket I was looking at. I don't want to pay the price. <laughs> I'm happy to have the jacket. But I this is the way my disassociative brain, this is that I was talking about in the last episode. I'm upset with you that you that you paid him more than I would have paid for this item. You know, and I know it's up to the individual. You're doing something, you're doing a gift. But people will do this around Christmas time. They'll ask me if there's any books I like or whatever. Yeah, there's books that I like that I'm going to buy off of eBay for like $4, $6. You're going to walk into Barnes & Noble and pay him $15. bucks. do not do that. Just give me the $6 and I'll buy the book. Yeah, but I don't want you paying twice as much, three times as much. And then you know, so that to me is complexity because you should be able to do something else with those resources. Take yourself, go get two different, you know, some nice Starbucks or whatever you do for ten dollars. Pay a month in Netflix, you know. So I, I've been able to get my Eddie Bauer jackets, I get second, get the, the backup Eddie Bauer jackets, which I hope to wear. It's it's raining, not the best atmosphere for leather, right? And it's... It ain't bad for temperature. I wear it, but... I've got... I at one time had like 30 leather jackets. I'd paid, I don't know, 25 to $30 for all of them. So yeah, that means there's like anywhere from seven to $900 worth of leather jackets. But most people would only have five or six jackets. So seven and Seven, eight jackets to show for that. I had 30. I gave some away. Still got some of those. And... That was like a phase I went through. Like anybody who had a big CD collection or DVDs or whatever. That was my thing. Some of them buttoned up. Some of them had insulated insides. Some of them were, you know, snaps. Some of them were, you know, whatever. So, eventually I was like, you know, I'll never use all these. It's just part of my personality. Um, when I start getting into something, I start wanting to, you know, just... For instance, I got myself a nice Craftsman toolbox. All right. It's got three drawers. It's got a top on it. If you go get one, I guess Craftsman got bought out by Lowe's, right? So you want know, to go to Lowe's. These toolboxes are they're probably 40 or 50 bucks. I think they're $50 retail, but they have some of them marked down. And I haven't been in a store in a long time, but they had them on the website and then and, and in the store they're marked down. So I opened the top of the box, and as I'm organizing it, I've got my drills. Got my drill, power driver. Here hammer have drill. Uh, right there. In the top, with the batteries, with the chargers, with uh, my bits. In the drawers, I've got all my hammers and tape measures and squares and wrenches and uh, adjustable screwdrivers and ratchets, all that stuff. So, got this toolbox. I want to decorate the outside of the toolbox. You know, it's like a giant lunchbox. I mean, it's gigantic. I mean, that thing weighs 80 pounds because I've got all that stuff in it. It was like three bags worth of tools. And what I started doing was I had all these patches. I had previously thought, I'm going to buy one of these, they call it field jackets or M51s if you ever want to go look them up. Um, But the army jackets, like they issue to people um, that, you know, you put your outside jacket on as part of your uniform. But you can buy these field jackets, as people do, to be like, you know, rock fans and punk people and whatever. They sew iron patches onto the jacket. They're making, you know, a collage. Well, I had a bunch of New York Rangers patches and Oasis and different things. So I just started, you know, putting them on the toolbox. Never bought a jacket and probably wouldn't end up, you know, fulfilling that project. But I got the patches. So I put them on the toolbox. Then I went to eBay. Then I'm going looking. What else can I find that's a good sticker to put on my toolbox? You know, And I found some cool things. My dad's a big Roberto Clemente fan. Um, and I had some other things that were from, like, sentimental things from friends and stuff like that that I put those things on, um, and I used, whatever, it's not Gorilla Glue, but probably Loctite, and just put a few dabs here and there, glued them right to the toolbox, um, if they ever come off, and you could grab them and pull them off pretty easy, because it's, it's that smooth metal, and then it's super glue on top of it, but if you grabbed it, it would easily separate, so I'm prepared for that, and I'll just glue them back down again, but uh, I started getting obsessed with that. I'd go on eBay and I'd look up, and I was like, "All right," and I'd add like you know fifty things to my cart, and they're probably still in my cart today. I never made that purchase, or I never went through and sorted them. But that's my personality. It's to consider all the options. So when you hear me talk about approaching a situation from different angles, I mean, you got to leave everything on the table. Maybe you're having a long conversation with a friend. Maybe you're trying to date somebody, you're trying to develop a business relationship. Approach things from different angles. Um, there are times that you're gonna need to be abrasive and, and bite somebody's head off. I mean, I talked about this in the, in the last podcast, the corporal punishment, the power achieved is power perceived. Or power he says power perceived is power achieved. Right. You don't have to do anything. You just they assume you're gonna kick ass. I like that. You know, it's one of those things that I just, I appreciate um, going at things from different angles because it gives you, you, it leaves all the options on the table. you always got things you can try. And I think somebody asked me, like, what would I change about myself or what's my biggest flaw? I said persistence. Somebody's unhappy with me and I look at it and I go, well, what can I do to make you happy? What can we do to push the reset button on this situation? You know. You you have a fallen out with somebody you were friends with or you dated or whatever. Um, I'll give you a good hypothetical. Uh you are single, you're seeing somebody, you're talking to somebody, they maybe want to make it official or they wanna okay, let's let's give it a try. Okay. All right, before we give it a try, let's you know, I need to know all about you. Can I look through your phone? Like, we're not together. Like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, uh, no, I don't know. Like, you're not buying my business. We're not merging. Why would I let you look through the books? You know, the sheriff comes and knocks on your door, and he says, "Uh, we'd like to look in your home. And you're like, nope, I got a Fourth and Fifth Amendment that says no search and seizure, and you can't unlawfully detain me. And so somebody says, this is what I need. And I said, well, then, you know, you're just going to either have to trust or you're going to have to respect me telling you no. And I just, you know. Well, what if I find if I find something in there, you know? And I say, well okay, what if you don't find something in there? What's in it for me? Well I mean I'll be happy. No, that's all one sided. What's in it for me? You're gambling against the house. Sometimes the house wins. So we get to take from you. You're trying to take from me. You have the, the opportunity to penalize me if you find whatever you know you think you're suspecting me of. Alright. What do I win if you're wrong? mm and and i've I've had that situation it didn't go over well, but I looked at it and I said, yeah. but I'm also persistent about things. you know somebody finds something they don't like or you know that's just one it's one thing you know you may say here's a here's a good example you go by the the freezer section there's a turtle cheesecake display uh or a, an, a, an arrangement, and some of it is the chocolate turtle cake, the new York cheesecake, the plane you know, and you look at that and you go, oh, I tried that moose.' Don't like that chocolate mousse cheesecake. Let's—we're not doing that one. And you yeah, but there's five of the flavors here. No, nope. no, can't do it. <laughs> anything? Anyway. All right. And that's—is that them being closed minded Is did they have a big enough sample size? Like, why not? Why not approach it? Why not try it again? You know, there a lot of people take that uh, philosophy, right? I'll try anything once. Will you, darling? Well, let me go get the taser. (gasps) What? (laughs) But you said anything. I just look at these things where you have a situation to approach things from making progress. And my persistence is, have we? Have you tried every slice of that cheesecake? Have you tried every flavor? No, I didn't like five out of six. Well, the other one might be the one you like. And some people, they're out of chances or they're out of tries. And I, I understand... Where people throw in the towel, but that goes back to what I say, right? Don't be a bitch. <laughs> you know, you know. Try all six. Now you come this far. Finish it out. See it through. And and life is is full of moments of complacency. I talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think it's thirteen. Um, that you have the opportunity to have tried that thing instead of some other time that you could have done something better with. You could repurpose that other time of some silliness, and you could try something that might be an investment, right? And that's me. I'm, if I see something that can be an investment, I'm going to stay up later. I'm going to spend my time on it. Yes, I'll have to make up the sleep, or something else will lack in quality, but I'm given everything I have. I've tried it from every angle. And sometimes the angle to try is to be foolish, Let that person have the control of the situation. You do play the bitch. You do. Okay. Oh, can you help me? Okay, thanks. I can't find my dog. Have you seen him? You know, (laughs) I know know where my dog's at. I'm trying to lure you in. Going fishing. And there's nothing wrong with that. At all. And that's one of those... You know people look at that as a sales pitch or anything else, and I talk so much about you operating your personal life like you would a business there's I don't think that you give up on on any situation until you've exhausted all of the avenues, and even then new avenues might come about, and you can keep pursuing those i mean life is all about an opportunity is all about the dynamic changes that come around in the world and whether or not you can handle those things. There's been people who've come, you know, they've brought it to my attention. Uh, You know, we've spoken before and I don't like how you spoke to me. I'm like, I don't have the... Number one, I have a lot of conversations. I don't remember what was said. We could have got sideways and I took it and just decided to, you know, turn that into material you know, you told me only a only a serial killer would ask for, you know, I don't give my number out. You might be a serial killer. You know, I just don't like the way, <laughs> okay. You don't like somebody's approach. And I've reiterated this. I've said it publicly. I don't know how many downloads there are for this thing. There's tens of thousands of hits to my website. If you go to my Facebook group, yeah, it's got some, it's got a, it's got a business. It doesn't have, I don't even use that email a lot, but it's got a personal email and I use it for a lot of different subscriptions and different things Uh, and a phone number, which is, I only got one number and it goes directly to me, but I ain't shy about that stuff. Yeah. I've made a lot of mistakes about different things. You know, I've. So I end up doing a lot of apologizing, but I would rather trial by fire. I'd rather say that I tried all the avenues and be persistent about that than to say, than to, to look back and say, "Man, I, there was always this one more thing I left unexplored. It's only on that one door we didn't open. A treasure might have been in there. Yeah, it might have been in that last pathway down that last cave. You know, but you gave up." I tell you what, I was doing this fifty miles last week. I came real close to to looking at it and saying, "Man, this is just not worth it." Like, my I had that gigantic blister on my foot. My, there, I think I have some kind of crack in the shin on my right leg, and this has been that way since way before the fifty miles thing. This has been going on for weeks, uh, like a stress fracture. Uh, and it happens, and it's going to happen, and maybe it'll heal at some point. Maybe it'll, you know, just I just, you know, I'll go out running, and man, I come home and it feels good pain's gone all right we'll see you know there's certain things you do even though they hurt maybe you're in um you're working you work through the pain right you know that don't don't be a bitch you know or you're doing something with your girl you're in bed you're you know she's don't stop don't stop so don't stop whatever that takes if you've got to, you know, take your head somewhere else or think of some medieval torture or whatever it is to keep you in the game. Keep you from, you know, going over the waterfall, so to speak. Do it. Some of us don't have these issues, you know. You can, you can go and go again. There's no recuperation time. You just, you know, like a flagpole the whole time. But... If that's what she needs, I mean, hell, man, don't be selfish. And if you can do anything to help the situation and help her out, Jesus, you know, I'm sure she'll thank you for it. People don't ask me for a lot, so when they do, I try to help when I can. And there's a lot of times people tell me that they're not in a good situation, and I say, is there anything I can do to help? There may not be anything I can do to help. That's why I say, is there anything I can do to help? And they may give me something I can't do, and I'll say, oh, that's just not within my my grasp, or my, you know, I don't I don't have those resources. I don't try to ask and say, I, I will do anything you ask me to. That's not true. Um, it has happened with the right relationship. You know, anything you need, honey. What do you want me to do? I'll do it. Look at yourself in the mirror. I mean, some of you guys got you know, let's say. Hypothetically, I have a friend that lives in um there's cookware, right? Cookware has handles on it. Maybe you got a pan, maybe it's a pan handle. Maybe you live in a panhandle. Um, maybe I have a friend that lives in cookware, and he lives in the panhandle. <laughs> and he is, you know, and you may be in this situation too. You're in a situation you'd like to move, you'd like to save some money to move, you might be under distress. And you know you gotta, you gotta play the fool. You gotta play the game until you can, you know, get out of there. You know you're you're putting up with everything that's happening from the watch commander and the prison guard and the warden and whoever is over top of wherever you might be living. It doesn't have to be a prison, but it's a good metaphor. And you play and you play and you play until you can be Andy Duprein. And you can Shawshank your way out of that. Oh, finally. I haven't told them how much money I have. I'm out of here. They can kiss my ass. Do it. Right? Do it. You do it at your job. Bite your tongue. You do your thing until another job offer comes along. You know, Play the game. Keep income. Don't just quit or get fired or some silliness without some other avenue that you're going to jump into. I talked about this, you know, running your life like a business. I mean, don't cut off your your supply chain or your resources. You need money coming in. Whatever you got to do for that money coming in, I'm going to tell you about jumping on back pages or selling your ass or something. You're in a situation, you know, the the abstract idea, respect yourself, check yourself, don't wreck yourself, and save a little and, and take off. Do you have to to be their bitch in the meantime maybe maybe you live with your mother-in-law your ex mother-in-law things aren't going well and you play the game maybe you live with you know your your ex fuck your ex husband whatever it might be oh man we hate each other right figure it out make a friend You got social media. I mean, throw your situation out there. There's so many people who jump into these community pages where I live. Hey, I'm coming to town. This is my situation. I've got kids. I'm looking for this. This many bathrooms. This many rooms. This many square foot. I've got a dog, and they lay out the details and see if somebody in the community has advice for them. They may not offer them a room, but they may give them somewhere they wouldn't have known to look. It's a change of scenery. That's possible for anybody. You can always ask. I mean, I talked about this with increases and raises and stuff at your job. You want to make more money? Oh, I'm going to make more money. Ask what it takes to be promoted. Be in the system, looking to see where they're hiring, see if you can transfer. Be on LinkedIn and Indeed and all these places. They'll send you an email on a daily basis. Yeah, it's not as cool as when Cole sends you a message and says, hey, if you go spend money, we'll give you Cole's cash. Okay, well, maybe you're a shopaholic. Maybe what the smart thing to do is to increase your resources. Be looking on your email that you'll get a notification on daily or weekly. Whatever you set up your notifications to be, however often they're going to correspond with you. Hey, wait a minute. So-and-so's hiring. Yeah. Maybe they just want you to serve. Maybe they just want you to be in a restaurant or work some other job two nights a week, three nights a week. If you can make $80, dollars $100, Several nights a week. Wait a minute, if I, you're telling me I could make a between fifty and a hundred dollars two nights a week. That's right. So that's eight nights a month. That's an extra two hundred dollars to four hundred dollars. Um, you know, if you make a hundred dollars a night, eight times a month, it's eight hundred bucks. Man, it's almost like you, a lot of people don't pay that in rent. You can make the rent money off of your side job. Really? Yes, really. Don't be a fool. Like it's out there. I'm not good with people. Get good with people. Try to understand them. Say hello to the people in the grocery store. Hey, excuse me. Let me open the door for you. You go in front of me, whatever it might be. Your acts of service might not be your number one thing on the five languages of love. And I mean, you can't change it. I mean, you can't get good at it. I don't know. People don't like me. Find out what people like and try to adapt your personality. I mean, damn. Maybe you don't like being on time. But, you know, have some standards of excellence. When I say operate your life like a job or like a place of employment, you know, have some, you put the industry standards in at home. Yes, being a bitch means every now and then the customer is, you know, is always right or whatever. And you have to throw out some compensation or whatever it might be to apologize and get everything on the right path. And it happens. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had to. You know, because I, I make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Oh man, I was I memorized every table's order. Oh, I put the wrong thing in. Forgot what their order was, and then put the wrong thing in, or forgot some modification, whatever it might be. And sometimes people are very understanding. They don't. They don't even want any thing to be addressed. You got it wrong. They don't even want anything in place. They don't notice it. It'll be just fine. It's fine. Thank you very much. There's other times that, you know, they got an allergy or whatever. It's got to be special. So, you know, your your mess up has then created this odd experience. All right? And now you are their their bitch. You've made something wrong. You've made a decision that led to a mistake. Uh, And... They have the upper hand on you. It's one thing for you to have an equal relationship where nobody's made any mistakes. You you can call their bluff, etc. Et you know what I'm saying? And then there's another version of that where oh, now I've slipped up. Now they've got the negotiating power. And they do. They didn't come in with negotiating power just because they're the customer. But once things have started to transpire and you've slipped up, they're the person in the the there's a great movie, nineteen ninety six. I'm going to get this year right. I believe it's 96, but Michael Bay's The Rock with Ed Harris, and Sean Connery, Nicholas Cage. And there's a, a scene where they go to Alcatraz to try to take Alcatraz back from this group of Marines that's taken over Alcatraz. And they come up through the tunnel system into this shower room, and the Marines, who are already in Alcatraz, are in the top of this shower room. They have the elevated position. They have the dominant position. In terms of, you know, warfare. Sensu, You know, all this stuff. The art of war. And Ed Harris, who is the, the renegade general. General Hummel. Tells them, you know, you are being covered from an elevated position. Lower your weapons. Don't do this to your team, you know. And they're going to get slaughtered. And they're like, oh, well, we can't give up. You <laughs> no, should have gave up. You'd be alive, you know. Um... And I think about that any time that somebody's slipping up or making a mistake in business or anything else. We made an agreement to do something on time, to do something in a very methodical way. Things did not happen as they should have. We've slipped up. All right, we're coming in behind our expectations. Uh, if If the date's mixed up, if we didn't get things delivered, whatever caused that forecast to not take place. You have an agreement for things to take place on this timeline. It's not like the weather where the guy says, hey, it might be 50, and then it rains, and it's 30. This is something where you've agreed upon an expected result that you were not able to provide. And so then they do have the upper hand if they decide that they would like to leverage some kind of extra satisfaction out of it. It would have played out you know, on October 31st. You delivered this service. They expected it then. They paid you. Everybody's happy. Now it's November fifteenth. It's not been done. They paid ahead, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What are you doing to counteract all of the the unpleasantries that have happened that delayed this? What are you going to do? You know, and as I've always told people about the things in, in my position, I say what'll make you happy. You know, and just let them speak from the heart. A lot of times people are very dignified. They've got a great integrity. Well, you know what I think is fair. I have not had anybody tell me something that's outrageous. Treat people like a person. Don't get me wrong. I've apparently had some conversations with people where they're like, you know, you. I can't get over the way you spoke to me before or whatever. <laughs> I, I do things to be memorable. So if you remember what happened back then, I don't always remember it. One of the things I wrote down in my list of personality quirks was how I, how is it written here? It says, genuinely care about them. I do genuinely care about people, but it was something else where it's about compliments being. The best compliments that I give to people are a lot of times manufactured I'm talking to somebody that I don't, you know, they're they're not the, the greatest person in the world to me. They don't have a lot of equity with me. We don't have a long history or anything. And I say something that is absurdly flattering. Because in the moment, I thought of something that that series of words is like, that is powerful. Send, submit, whatever. And they now have it. They didn't really, you know, quote unquote, deserve what I just said. But they were the ones sitting there when I thought of it, so I gave it to them. It's a lot like when I write a letter and I send it to somebody and I don't have a copy of it. You've got whatever's in that letter. But my mind works that way. If you give, you know, I might randomly be in a position where I think of the most beautiful thing. The most, you know, some of the best things that I've written about people are about people who are not close to me. And you would think, wait a minute, you know. But for whatever reason, I was inspired to write something. And the creative juices are going. I start doing this, and you got the wrong hypothetically I don't know hypothetically um but the person who is the subject of what you're writing or the the intended recipient, okay, is not what you would consider to be someone who earned that level of communication. Does that make sense to you? That you, like I was talking to my mother about productivity, and I said, you know, if you're doing, if you're setting up jobs and you're figuring out how to compensate people, how much productivity is going along with this job? You may have a whole department of people who don't produce very much, and they're not very important. You're like, well, we'd like to pay them the same as everybody. But what are they producing? Like, like they're not earning that, Right. What are you doing? Like, Are you giving people who are aging and, and fading out of the company those positions so that you can still pay them well for their years of service? Like That would be one way of looking at it where you might say it makes sense. And on the other hand, if you have you know just anybody in that position, there's no way you pay them that much money. That department just doesn't pay as much. You want to get into your, get your foot in the door there, and then you'd have to transfer out because the productivity is not high. It doesn't bring the dollars in the door. It's not making the workflow something that is very profitable for all of us. Something that's very satisfactory for all of us. You come into my life. You've been talking to me. Hey, how are you doing, Jimmy and Bobby and Christy and whoever? Okay. And I'm writing something nice, and I it's a rainy afternoon. Christy says, "What are you doing?" I'm doing this. I'm doing stuff with work. I'm making conference calls. Okay. Well, you know, I'm just watching TV and I'm watching this show, and oh, yeah, I love shows like that, you know that really gets my juices going. Like people who like stuff like that are my favorite people, and those are the people I think, and you put some very intricate compliment into the association with what they said, but you've given it to them as an individual, and they may think, "Oh my goodness." He just what a compliment he just gave me. No, I actually said it about like the the subject matter that you gave me. It's a generic manufactured compliment that has to do with that idea, not the person, but the idea. I Love people who are who have great personality and energy, and maybe people who, who take chances and have adventure and stuff. And you tell me, oh, you know, I'm gonna go jump out of an airplane. Okay. I love people with a sense of adventure. Like, those are the best people. Oh, my, he told me I'm the best kind of person. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You don't know how to separate the two. I separated the two. I just laid it on your doorstep. And it's for you to, you know, you can take that in stride. If you want to take it as a compliment and try to fit that criteria, go for it. But I didn't compliment you as an individual. I just said this idea and this character trait is what I think these wonderful things about. I don't know if you really have that character trait. We've not validated that. We've not talked about whether I view you in that way. Yes, if you jump out of an airplane and you do these other things, you would be adventurous and you would start to to fit this mold. But you ain't there yet, Okay. Don't grab it and assume things. Don't be a bitch. You know, you, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, no, but this is what you said. No, I didn't. Not about you individually. People who run red lights are fucking reckless. But I run red lights. Well, I didn't call you reckless. I said the people who run red lights are reckless. You don't have to keep running red lights, do you? No. Okay. You're not reckless. You got the choice whether you do it next time or not. You've not done it as long as I know you. You know, we've just been talking for a few seconds. You're calling me. I ain't calling you nothing. Or I just said, you, Jimmy, are trash. I didn't say that. I said someone who does these things is someone I would think of in this light. I ain't seen you do anything. What you did before we came into each other's lives is your history. And I don't know your history. And and quite frankly, you had a life before I met you. So if you are one of these people who I've exchanged words with, you're like, man, you know, he just, he's very persistent, and he's, yes, I am, but at the same time, like, you know, if I've not seen you, and I'm 38 years old, and I say, hello, how are you doing? You can try to have, like, a, a friendship, a social construct, you, you meet people in the community, people who, who do things at school, or paramedics, or whatever they might be, and you just try to establish, like, a social, communicative relationship. They never knew of you before this conversation started. Right. So I don't know what your routine is like. So am I supposed to message you again in 38 years? Because that's the routine we're on. Well, no, that's not. Well, then what are you going by? What's the measure? I can't just measure you. I can't just message you anytime I want. Well, you know, I pay the consequence for that. I've often said to people, you can say anything you want to me or anybody else, but you never know what it will cost you. I'll let you say anything you want. To give you a good example, there was a young lady I was dating. We'd split up, and we were talking about uh, deviating the furniture. Um, and I make a shopping list. I think I'm going to wrap the podcast up on this because I'm doing it on my lunch break. Um, I ooh, <laughs> only got a couple of seconds. I was making a shopping The same way I make a shopping list, I go through the grocery store in my mind. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. And I make the list in that order so that... Um, I'm not missing anything, right? I can check it off as I walk through the store. I'm doing the same thing, but I'm going through the place we're living and sort of doing it in my mind. You know, what am I taking with me? What am I not taking with me? She didn't have a lot. It was my kitchen table, my bedroom suit, my couch, my entertainment center, my TV. You know, a lot of most of what was entertaining or furniture, you know, stuff that you needed, was mine. And I start going around the room and I look at the ninja coffee maker. I bought that ninja coffee maker, I said it out loud. She's sitting, I don't know, 80 feet from me. She's sitting, the kitchen is open air, and then she's in the other end of the living room, so we're in opposite ends of these two rooms, long distance. Um, so, oh, I bought that ninja coffee maker. She says, you don't even drink coffee. And I was like, yeah, but I paid for it. And I was just, I was antagonizing her. I shouldn't have, you know, maybe I shouldn't have set the tone that way. And I go through the bedroom, and I said, well, I own the nightstands. The bed, my clothes, the entertainment center. She's like, are you going to Are you gonna take the couch? Because that was her baby, this big sectional couch I'd bought her. And I said, "I said, man, that couch would be tough to move out the door. And so there was something along those lines. you know. Man, that couch is going to be tough to move. It will be tough to move for whoever moves it, but I didn't want the couch. It was just something I was saying, which is still somewhat true, but I wasn't taking the couch. And I didn't want to announce I wasn't taking the couch. She could have it. I wanted her to have it, you know, it was kind of a gift for her, and I said, all right, I don't own anything in the bathroom, I'm making this circle, I've been in the kitchen, I've been in the bedroom, the, it's, I'm going clockwise, and, you know, and so the bathroom is at 12 o'clock, okay, no, so 3 o'clock for the bedroom, I've checked it off, 12 o'clock for the bathroom, checked it off, going over to 9 o'clock for the other bedroom, I don't own anything in the other bedroom, Wait, I bought that mirror for you. I bought her this nice, big, it's like five and a half feet tall. It's a professional makeup mirror. It's got dimmable lights and USB ports and all this fun stuff. Um, expensive. It was like $700, and it was like another $200 to ship it on the back of a truck because it's freight, you know. Anyway, um, I said, yeah, I bought the makeup mirror. And she's like, what? you got to take the mirror? And I was like, I, don't, I said the mirror was a gift. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, why are you saying it? And I was like, I was just saying I, I paid for it. And she's gotten up off the couch at this point. She's walking into the kitchen. And she says, what are you doing about the couch? And I thought, oh, my God. I said, couch. And so, that's how I told you. The couch is going to be really hard to move. Like, I don't even know where I'm going to put that thing. I don't know where I would put it. I don't know. It, I think, and I before I could get anything else out of my mouth, because I was right at the point where I was going to be like, the couch can just stay. She jumps in, and she says, if you're going to take the couch, then take the mirror, too. And I was like, why? She says, take the mirror, and you can give it to your daughter. And she, ha- she can see how ugly she is. And I was like, what? The and I remember her, the way she looked at me, her face kind of went blank. Like, she didn't understand, and she didn't know she was saying it. And so, I just kind of looked at her. It looked like one of these old movies where, like... Somebody has a, a pistol, and, they've clicked, 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 and they click, 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 and they're they out of ammunition. And that was her last shot. You know, it was like she said whatever she needed to say. She'd insulted my, I guess at the time she was 10 years old or something. And I just kind of said, okay, here's where we are. And I, I've... I, I kind of forgave it at one point, but I never forgot that she was capable of saying something like that. And it just it threw me off in a very ugly way. And she could say whatever she wanted to, but I didn't, you know, she never knew what it would cost her. Um I think with enough time you can repay that debt and maybe we got to a point where it was even but and and at this point she's got the advantage. I I fucked up some things in in the personal relationship that we had and and it's up to her if she's going to let me I don't know, figure out a way to make it right. But yeah, I was sometimes people do things and you end up you do you do things bitch like kind of things and when other people have that they're they're you're left holding the bag and and when they find that they've got that upper hand on you, you know? You'll wish that you, that you uh, didn't make those foolish decisions. So as it's raining today, I'm going to tell you, to in North Carolina anyway, to be careful. If you're out working, you happen to be working in yards and things, old Thomas, um, hopefully we'll see some better weather after the hurricane weather passes. But um, take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening to me, and you'll hear from me again very very soon but don't go being a bitch